And so uh, today, we're in between series. Uh, typically, we're walking through a book of the Bible. We were in the Gospel of Mark. We were in the Gospel of Mark for almost six months. We took some time off. We did a series in the Psalms where we uh, spotlighted about eight or nine Psalms. And we'll have a series that starts here in a few weeks where we'll walk through the Scriptures together. That gives us a chance uh, to press pause. And I wanted to take that opportunity to invite a dear friend uh, and and uh, one of our pastors to share with you. And we're going to talk specifically about marriage. And you may be like, oh, oh no, here we go. This is going to be one of these marriage seminars. And you may be single or you may be happily married or your marriage may be a disaster. You may be divorced and you may just be thinking, this is really not what I signed up for. In fact, it's why I love Bayou City because we don't do the how-to, uh, how to be happy, three steps to happiness right here. This is not that message, Okay. Uh, I want us to be clear. We look to the scriptures as our guide for marriage. And so uh, we don't have several hours to unpack all these, but I would love it if you feel the need to grab your phone. Stacy, put that on the screen for me. These are, these are some uh, beginning points where scripture dives into marriage. This is not all. There are many other references. You may see one that you're like, how did you leave that off the list? Well, this is just a, a quick start. But if you would like to dive in over the next couple months, this is a great place to start. Genesis 2, the second chapter in the Bible. And then on through, I've just put Proverbs because there are uh, over a dozen Proverbs that reference relationship between man and woman and marriage. And then, of course, Ephesians 5 is really a, a hub as we try to understand how God designed marriage and everything else tends to, to grow out of that understanding of that passage. And so just know that this is a great place to begin. We love to dialogue about this. We may not do a full series, but this is a great place to start right here. What we're going to talk about today is rooted in the scriptures. It's rooted in the scriptures. It's rooted in the idea that God has a covenant with us. He made a way for us to be reconciled with him, and marriage reflects that. Do you catch that? God made a way for us to know him, to be reconciled with him, and marriage is a reflection of that. It's a beautiful picture oftentimes of what that covenant is. Matt Chandler said it like this. The heart of the biblical idea of marriage is the covenant. It is not about the husband and wife adjusting to one another. That's where you get into how to. I actually read this week that Amazon has 150,000 books, 150,000 books on how to be happy in marriage, 150,000, okay? So if we're just talking about how does man and woman, how do they, how do they coexist, how do they make it work, that's not what biblical marriage looks like. It is not about the husband and wife adjusting to one another, but both of them adjusting to God together. It is the pursuit of the Lord that God has said, I will give you a partner in this, and you will stumble, and it will be messy, and it will be glorious at times, and it will be complicated, but I'm giving you a partner, and together you will somehow miraculously reflect the covenant that I have made with my people. You are adjusting to God together, pursuing God together. That is the heartbeat of what we're doing this morning. I have three goals, and then I'm going to invite Tom up. Three goals for this morning. Number one, that you would get a glimpse of a thriving marriage. Tom and Nona Mosley have been married almost six decades, okay? And so a thriving marriage. It's amazing. Six decades, and it's not perfect, and he'll share some of that. Really rough seasons at times. It's not, not, been, not always been... Uh, picturesque, but you'll get to peer into a thriving marriage. That's goal number one. Number two, that you and I would remove the stigma of needing to ask for help in our marriages. Men, are you listening to me? If that is a stigma you hold on to, you are at the wrong church, okay? 
Marriage is hard. Been married almost 20 years, so I'm, I'm about a third, third of you guys, Mosley's. Marriage is difficult. So what I want today, while we have just a few minutes, I want that stigma to be removed. And for you men to say, hey, we may need some counsel. We just may need some folks speaking into our marriage. That's, that's goal number two. Number three is this, that there's actually some flexing of the marriage muscle that needs to happen. There's some equipping. There's some training, both premarital and then whether you, maybe you've been married as long as I have or longer. You need to begin to flex that muscle. You need to begin to grow and to really discover the way to honor your spouse. And that's not something you do just sitting by idly. That happens in community. And I'm going to tell us how that's going to happen. Those are the three goals. Tom and Nona Mosley, when I first, Liz and I first visited uh, Bayou City, I looked over and I saw Tom Mosley and I knew who Tom Mosley was. Tom Mosley, uh, uh, he is a very well-respected leader in the church for many, many decades. And I looked over and saw Tom Mosley and I went, this church must be legit if Tom Mosley goes here. And I got to know Tom and I got to know Nona and I've gotten to eat in their house. I didn't mention this in the other service, but these guys are, they're, they're foodies, all right? So they love food. They eat really well. And uh, in fact, one of the questions I had on the list is, what is the best meal you've ever eaten? I may get to that question in a little bit, but they're amazing people. Tom is an elder at Bayou City Fellowship. He served as campus pastor in Spring Branch for many years. He is associate pastor with really an emphasis right now on marriage ministry. He's got a heart for it. And he's done an unbelievable job at Spring Branch. And I said, you need to get to Cyprus and help us. Okay? So that's why he's here. Uh, Tom also serves on the board of the Passion Conferences. So every year, Passion hosts, uh, last year, 50,000-plus students. He serves on that board, helps lead that organization. And uh, we love them, and we love you dearly, and thank you for giving up a Sunday. So a very warm Cyprus welcome to Tom Mosley. Yes, sir. I'll just keep on meeting, don't you? Is there a service after this? <laughs> yeah, I meant to tell you. We got a 2 o'clock service we're going to add. Tommy, you stick around yeah, for that. Yeah, that's yeah. really, really great. <laughs> uh, however, many, however many, it would be wonderful. And I really, really am grateful for the gracious invitation to be out here. Uh, just, to, just to be picturing back the first Sunday we attended uh, Battle City Fellowship was January of 2012. And then to see what God, what God is doing and letting us all be a part of that. And that's something, folks, just look around and then multiple services here, the same on the Spring Branch campus and raising up his people. We're not the only thing God is doing by any chance, but we get to be part of this work that he's doing. And it just blows me away. I love I'm it. so grateful. Tom, I'd love to start. <laughs> Obviously, we're going to dive into to, uh, marriage and talk about you and Nona some. And I'd love for you to start just by letting us know why at this point in your life, you could be doing something else. Uh, you could be laying low. And yet I know you're uh, a hardworking man and you're investing in the life of our body and it means a great deal to me. Why are you, why are you doing that? Tell me, tell me why you're serving at BCF in the way that you do. Uh, thanks, Robbie. <clears throat> As a 17-year-old high school kid, I really felt uh, God's call on my life to serve his church. And so I've been doing that these years. That's been maybe 13 years since then. You can count the ages. <laughs> We were introduced to Tobacco City in January of 2012, and we moved back into Houston. And knowing Curtis, I'd seen I'd just seen him at a Passion Conference maybe the week before, and he was excited to tell me about what God was raising up and uh, invited us to come sometime. He learned we were coming back to Houston. So that first Sunday, we just decided we'd visit Tobacco City, 
and um, thinking we might go to one of the, we served a couple of churches here in the city in years past and loved and loved those churches. And so, but we decided to say hi to Curtis and then the young man that was leading worship, one guy that we love very much. So we just wanted to drop in. So we did. And it was just a great experience. We just sensed God's spirit and a lot of joy in that third or fourth month of life at the church. And so the next week rolls around. We're like, where do you want to go today? We're talking to one another. And where do you want to go? And we decided, let's go to Bio again. So we came back to Bio City Fellowship, and we haven't been anywhere else. (laughs) I mean, literally, we just took up residence in the life of this fellowship. And so then fast forward when this campus was to be born Curtis asked me if I would come serve as the campus pastor of, the, of that campus. And <clears throat> it was it was a moment of, oh, man. In fact, I've been looking around. I'm seeing this one and this one this one. Oh, <laughs> remember back when? And you're out here now. And it's just so incredible to see it just explode with the kingdom of God being expanded. So Don't be trying to take them back to Spring Branch, Well, Tom, I've I talked to wanna... several. I've talked to several about it. Now, just, just, just kidding. So, so in... Um, Two year, a year ago, January, serving as campus pastor, I did say to Curtis, just kind of given some things going on in our life, maybe I'd let up on the accelerator a little bit and step out of that role. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't know. I want to serve the church if I still can. And he said, yeah, I'd like that a lot. And then God just kind of unfolded what's going on as he does. That's the joy of knowing him. He's got the plan. If I just keep saying, as long as I live, and now that I'm 45, I'm knowing the value of this, whatever. You just keep saying, yes, God, whatever you want. I want in on whatever you want, and you find the amazing joy and everything we need in that. And that's especially true when you're married to the most wonderful girl in the entire world, and her name happens to be Nona. Y'all want to meet Nona, don't you? Yeah, come on, Tom. Come on, Nona. Would you stand up, darling, please? She's going to, I'm going to pay for this this later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Second to the wonderful, wonderful Jesus, our Lord, the purpose in living. This young lady is my purpose in living. I love her deeply, deeply, and she puts up with me, Robbie. Well, that's a that's a great segue because I love, uh, and I've heard the story, but I'm I'm excited for you to share how you and Nona uh, became. The Mosleys, mm-hmm. all right? So, so walk us through how you guys met, what that courtship looked like. Yeah, yeah. Well, our, our stories vary just a little bit, as they often do between husband and wife. But we <laughs> I'd met, love to hear her version. We actually. will, <laughs> maybe next week. So, so we met at freshman orientation so at Hardin-Simmons University. Whoa. But one of our Southern Baptist schools in Abilene, great, great school, a great, great place to to meet your wife. And so I met her at, um, at freshman orientation and she was totally smitten with me. <laughs> Is that wrong? Hey, hey. Wrong. I kind of had to get her interest, but we I just began, that. we weren't really dating. We were hanging out, um, with, you know, a bunch of students began to run around together. Um, fast forward after a, an engagement on my part. So to another girl that broke off, she, to a guy, broke off. That was the grace of Jesus that both of those, because God did and always does have the perfect plan. It was a fine young lady I was engaged to. She was a godly woman. And the guy she was engaged to, he is okay. Not near as great as me, but I'm just saying. No, he was a good man. But God had, 
from high school days, I had begun to pray because my mom and dad taught their sons, their three sons to do this. Pray for the person you're going to marry. It's really critical. It's really, really important. So I've just been praying through high school, through college. Lord, I know you have the person, and I'm, and I'm asking you to bring me to that person. And then with my commitment to, for vocational ministry, the wonderful, beautiful thing when Nona and I really now we're engaged and we're talking life and the future. And I learned that as a high schooler, she had had a similar call in her life to serve God with really vocationally. And that, that whole thing was like, God, only you could have brought this about. Yeah. So, so we married in uh, September of, of, isn't that a beautiful picture? <laughs> September of, two, of uh, 1960. And uh, she was beautiful then and even more so now. And look at the kid with the big ears. I don't know what that's about. But even back then, I said to her, okay, honey, you see that the hairline is somewhat receding. You've seen my dad, so you know where we're headed. And in her typical, gracious, loving way, she said, I don't care. I'm not marrying you for your hair. And uh, so it's a good thing. It's Absolutely. a good thing that turned out. So that was Absolutely. September 2nd, 1960. So we're coming up on not six decades, but nearly 57 years come September we're close, the 2nd. Close, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, so you're, you're married in 1960. Uh, a few months later, uh, she says to you, I would assume, uh, breaks the news to you in some uh, great way that she is pregnant. Right. Uh, walk us through. Uh, walk us through that. Okay. Well, believe it or not, we really had thought maybe we'd like to have a child. Notwithstanding, I was a, I was about to go to seminary and all that kind of thing. But duh. So we decided let's do have a child. And so she's pregnant, and then comes time for the day of delivery. And this was back in the day when there wasn't sonogram. You're kidding me. They haven't always done that. <laughs> no. This was also back in the day when the husband had to stand out in the hallway, and everybody else was having all the fun someplace else, and they come and get you and bring you in. So we were there like 12 hours. It was a very, we went in very early all day long. And I'm thinking something's gone wrong. Something's gone wrong. And I'm really sincerely worried. The doctor comes out and says, so Tom, what did you want? And I'm just frantic because I'm thinking now something's gone wrong. That's why it's taken so long. And they haven't come out in a long while. I said, is Nona okay? Well, what did you want? A boy or a girl? And then I got, I thought he's really trying to tell me something bad. So what is, is Nona okay? Is Nona okay? And he was irritated because he wanted to play a joke. And he said, well, you have one of each. <laughs> and I, I didn't get it. I mean, it did not compute because I had no, no warning. No warning. We'd gotten a whole lot of duplicated gifts. What did you and, think? One of each what? Like, what were you, you just? Yeah, yeah. Each, I was, uh, I, it didn't compute. And so I, there was a bench right there on the, it was visiting hours. So I just backed up and sat down like one of each. And my mom standing there, screams out, twins. And I went, twins, okay, two. So a boy and a girl that knocked Nona out, because, not realizing what they thought was the baby was breech position, so they couldn't hear but one heartbeat, which explained that whole deal. So when they were born, even the doctors were like, whoa, another one. So by then, by then, Nona's been totally knocked out. She, her story to the day is, she'll say, I hear women talk about that, but she says, I just slept through it. So she did. So the next morning, I walk in, and the nurse has just been there, and Nona has said to the nurse, so what, did I have a boy or a girl? And the nurse said, well, it says here you had a little boy, and he weighed whatever. You had a little girl, and she says, I had two 
So she's learning it right then. About that time, I walk in and say to her, isn't this amazing, honey? And we're hugging and kind of crying. This is so great. And then I said, she reminds me, and you said, the first thing then you said was, just think, they'll go off to college the same day. <laughs> and they did. They did. And they did. But I was like, we got to get ready for that. <laughs> so, so anyway, it was, it was both traumatic and it was wonderful. When we apologized to our kids later, like the day we took Mark to his college first day, parents' day, we walked out, we were getting the car, and he said, Mom and Dad, that was so cool. Y'all were the youngest parents there. I said, well, I guess so. We, you, we had you when we were 12. You know, but they were born early in our marriage, 23 years of age, and they're wonderful. I love it. And, the, and they're standing just directly behind you. Marcus is right there behind Nona and Melinda. They're behind me. Yes, sir. Uh, twins. Um, and to Melinda's left will be her daughter, Rebecca, who lives in Washington, D.C., a precious, precious girl, radical follower of Jesus. Her brother Christopher, a great, great young man who works here in the city with one of the retail, one of the um, realty, realtor companies. Um, Marcus, um, his daughters Molly, then Emily, then Elizabeth. Molly and Elizabeth, Molly and um, Emily married. I, I had the privilege of performing their wedding. Emily, the eldest of all the grandchildren, has given us. Two great grandchildren. You know, when you start with children early, then the whole thing is domino. So it keeps it keeps being early. So amazing, wonderful children and grandchildren. Walk us yeah. through. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about you, I've always respected about you, is that um, as gracious as you and Nona are, you're also uh, transparent and honest. And life has not always been exactly as you guys mapped it out. And so I know it was part of your heart to share just some of the struggle that you guys have seen most uh, because most of us can relate to that so would you you mind sharing some of that in your journey um, in um, 1994 um, God called us to move to South Carolina to the east coast never lived there a thousand miles away from here All, both our children and and grandchildren wives husband all were here. And we knew it was God's call in our life to accept this role. It was to plant a church. I was a planning pastor of a congregation in, in uh, South Carolina. And um, a year into that, we, Melinda calls and says, I mean, we're talking all along, but she learned a year once we'd been there, she had breast cancer. So like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And it was really a life-threatening thing. It was very, very, very troublesome. God was so gracious. You can see this is a rather recent picture. She's, she's an overcomer of that. But then a year beyond that, then we get a word from her. Mom and Dad, I hate to tell you, but Pat and I have separated. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no. And for one thing, I mean, just to be quite honest, um, Lord, we're serving you. We're doing our best, and we've come a long way and from our children and grandchildren. And what's this about? I mean, cancer and now a troubled marriage and Trouble marriages in our, that's, that's not to be in our home. We've, we've taught our children the best we know how. We've laid the groundwork. We've, what is this about? And then a year later, they were divorced. And we just thought our world had really come apart. And um, God kept us, God kept our hearts with him. God kept all of our hearts with him and saw us through some very, very troublesome days. Melinda is a passionate lover of Jesus, serving the church today here in the city of Houston, She's done a wonderful work of raising her children um, 
along with her former husband. They've shared in that, thank God. But that was just a really, really bitter thing um, in 1995, 96, when all that happened. Then in 2006, I mean, fast forward 10 years, and I'm serving worship pastor at First Baptist Church here in Houston, and I get a call from Mark, and he says, Mom and Dad, Tammy's just been diagnosed with um, the, the most radical of brain cancers, and the doctors tell us she probably won't live more than a year. So we're like, oh, goodness, oh, goodness. So we all, you know, gather in again as family, and the church, the church just interceding for us, begging God for the healing that for Tammy that would enable her to continue to mother her then 12, 14, and 16-year-old daughters. And by the summer of 2007, given the pace of that terrible, terrible disease, we resigned First Baptist Church and moved to San Antonio where they were living just to, just to be with them. And so for two years, we stayed there. She died uh, went to be with Jesus a few months after we got there, and we'll forever, ever be grateful. Mm-hmm. Though it was, it was kind of like two deaths we talk about, the death of leaving the church we love so much, and then hers like, oh, dear Lord, but for God, to God's glory, <laughs> there's nothing we experience, there's nothing that he is not more than able, more than able to see us through and love us through and sustain us and support us if we just keep our eyes on him. Yes, sir. So... Um, we stayed there a couple of years, and Marcus continued to be a single dad. The girls, the girls, because of that very, very painful experience, and they had full expectancy that their mom was going to, her life was going to be sustained, and she would live because Jesus was going to give that. And they're learning that everybody who gets ill doesn't live. They've learned that everybody who loves Jesus with all their heart. This is part of the reality in our fallen world. We live in a fallen world. So they've been dealing with who is this God? And we take a lot of joy in being involved in their lives to bring them to a better understanding of that, even as we have. Absolutely. I love being around you and Nona. I love watching you two interact, actually uh, learning by some osmosis, just Hearing you interact and communication is one of the things I wanted to ask you about. I couldn't resist showing this video, though, because it's a video that actually I saw first from a class that you're teaching and will be a part of our premarital class. So I want to watch this with you and then ask you to, to chime in on it's communication. Just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. 
Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't... Try to see things my way. Oh, my. Yes. It's too familiar. It hurts. It's too familiar. So, I love that video. The question is, what have you, what have you guys learned about communication? What kind of counsel do you give us? Uh, and I'll throw myself into the younger, younger couples category. What, give us some counsel on communication. Well, I mean, I, too often the man, and that's the p- perfect picture of me right there, is re- as recently as this last week, when Nona is telling me something, that she's wanting to relay really what she's feeling and needing not for me to fix it, and uh, it wasn't as clear as the nail thing, but it was. It, it, but that's the overtone of it. And after me telling her what she could have done if she had done this instead of that, and this instead of that, she did actually say to me, "You know, I'm not asking you to fix it." And so the the ongoing challenge, and this is not a, this is not accepting it. It's just the reality of most of us as men. I mean, we're wired to do that. We're wired by God to be independent and the wife is interdependent and so the independence leads us into we're going to go for it we're going to fix it and we understand that our responsibility for our wives is to take care of them the woman's greatest need is security so i'm always going to secure known in whatever way that is and that can often be translated fixing it and what nona needs and she's been so courageous and so loving to tell me like she did last week and other times Honey, I need you to listen to me and sense what I'm feeling rather than just fix it. So that ongoing, never-ending challenge, and even after this many years, and everybody in this room is smarter than Tom, so you already figured this out, but I have to keep being reminded by her and those in my circle, men who who I've asked for accountability, to point out when that's my tendency to try to just barnstorm in whatever rather than just listening, just chilling, and really hearing her heart and knowing what's needed there. It's the role of the husband. Yeah, one of the things you've talked about in the other services that I'd love for you to to share is just the times in your marriage where you've sought counsel. And again, as I said in the opening, that's one of the goals of today is just that that our folks would go, you know what, sometimes you need to reach out and ask for some help. Would you just share briefly about uh, that? Sure. I I get really focused. I love people. I'm so grateful that the Lord allows me to serve to this day. But 10 years into our marriage, after twin children born our first year in marriage, which, by the way, is it's all kidding aside, that set in motion some really wonderful things, some good things, but it set in motion a preoccupation on both Nona's and my part to the children rather than one another. We did not know one another well, even though we had been friends since freshman year in college. So preoccupation with our children then my schooling, then a large church that I was serving at the time. And so 10 years into our marriage, we began to hit some white water. And thank God he made us aware of it so that we didn't ignore it, don't ignore it if it, when it happens, and it will happen to one degree or another. So the, I went to our pastor at the church I was serving at the time. He said, I want to advise you to see a certain pastor in the city who is really equipped in particular as counsel and so we went to see him, had only two or three visits, as I remember, and he was very perceptive, and it was pretty obvious probably to everybody but me, and that was in our maybe second or third session, he said, Tom, I think it's pretty simple, the tension that's been created, Nona thinks 
Nona thinks that you love the people of the church more than you love her and the children. And it was like a dagger into my heart. I, I, even when I tell that story as yet, it's like, oh, my goodness, the pain of that moment. And I said to Nona, in tears, honey, is that true? And she looked in her, at me with her always compassion and mercy and grace and said, I know it's not true, but it just feels like that because I feel overlooked. And so I said to the counselor, help me, help me know what to do. And he said, well, you know, you're a person that's got your focus going and that's good, but your focus needs to be first and foremost on Jesus. And then secondly, to this beautiful woman who you've married and known as her name. So I want to suggest that you, and he used, I think he used this terminology, and this was in the 70s. I want you to take her on a date every week. I said, like a date night. He said, yeah, I like you were doing before you ever married. So we're, if you're wondering where did the date night thing get started, we did it back in the yeah. 70s. So thank you very much. It's a, good, it's a good program. And so we started doing that. And he said, don't talk about the church. Don't talk about anything other than you, Tom, looking into her eyes, reminding her about you love her and you tre treasure her, what's going on in her life more than what's going on in your life. Share with one another. And we still do that. We still have continued that. Thank God so much so. And I think I'd said this in the early service, but Thursday of this past week rolls around. We're having breakfast and we're kind of identifying our schedule. We talked to one another about what you got going, what's coming up. And so I said, you know, tomorrow night, Friday night is going to be driven. That's the men's prayer and worship night. I really want to be part of that. And I said, it's our date night. And she said, I know it is, but I'm excited that that's happening. And I want you to know, I want you to be there. So we still do that, and it's rare that we alter it for anything else. But we knew that this Friday night, and by the way, it was an amazing, amazing evening as God called men together. And thank you, Cullen, for your phenomenal leadership and laying ground for all this, my friend. So, yeah, the, the preoccupation that I can get on things and the need for Nona to be second only to my passion and focus on Jesus. Yes, so, you know, Tom and I both just would encourage you. If you need counsel, we'd love to point you in the right direction. There are some couples in our church that may be able to pour into you. One of our pastors may be appropriate for you to meet with a pastor. And there may be some things going on in your life that are outside of our, um, our experience and uh, that we need to refer you to some professional uh, Christian biblical counselors. And we have some great ones in the city that we refer to folks quite often. Don't hesitate to reach out, okay? That's one of our hopes for this morning. Yeah. Uh, before we close, and Tom, just so grateful that you and Nona, uh, this is service number three, so grateful that you are here this morning. Uh, we love you. Uh, I want you to pray over us in just a minute. Um, is there, you know, we said earlier, we root our, our understanding of marriage in the scriptures. Is there, if you could pick one book or resource that you would add to that, uh, give us some insight, because I think that's an important piece. The Meaning of Marriage, the book, <clears throat> The Meaning of Marriage, I encourage you to write that down if you don't know about it. If you're single, there's an entire chapter, chapter 7, by the way. It's all addressing the single. It's written by Tim Keller, um, pastor in New York City. And it's born out of his own experience, in particular in the birth of that church, literally thousands of single adults. And he really was spending so much time with them, and he was learning what our current culture, how we think and how we process and how we get where we're getting and decisions we're making. This book is not at all a methodology book. It is not step one, two, three to a happy marriage. It is unpacking what the scripture says 
And it's putting it in context with what's going on in our culture. And I've just, I've bought, I don't know how many books, and I give it away. I tell people about it. It is saturated in Scripture, as yeah. all of Tim Keller's books are. But it is so on target with what's going on with us right now, right now. It's given us, Nona and me, such understanding of what's going on uh, with our son and daughter in various ways. With Certainly with our grandchildren. Certainly with our grandchildren. And then it's given us some real tools to help them and help us understand why they're thinking what they're thinking. Sure. And then in Christ to try to counsel them. So the meaning of marriage, it's been our go-to book with our initial um, pre-marriage prep in our home. That was the book and the scripture. And now we've enlarged that to some other materials, but we have continued to include that with what we call Merge, which is an eight-week pre-marriage preparation. And by the way, uh, Robbie, for what it's worth, what we chose to do about the this past year, after multiple couples have, have experienced merge, I was having couples come to me who are seriously dating, whatever that, whatever that means to a given couple. They're, they're really into it with one another, but they're not engaged. So one couple stepped forward and said, can we come to this? And I said, well, yeah. And this last session, we had 15 couples just complete the, the several weeks, a few weeks ago, and there were four couples who were in that class who were not engaged, but the time it was over, two of those had gotten engaged. One had broken off in the wow. relationship, and another is still they're still trying to decide. And I'm saying that to say, it's wonderful and it's intended for yeah the preparation for those who are engaged. But if you have some men and women who are dating seriously, those weeks can really God can use those I think through the instruction of the Scripture to help them sort out and. Determine is this a permanent kind of thing? Absolutely. So merge uh, again is is our, our premarital uh, gathering, our class that'll start October first on this campus. If you go to register for that, you know a engaged couple, and you send them to register today. It's not up today; it's up on Wednesday. So Wednesday, the registration will go live, and then that uh, eight week. A gathering that eight-week class starts on October 1st. Isaac and Christina Johnson will be teaching that at our campus. Very excited about the vision that Tom has laid out for that. And uh, this will be our second semester of Merge here on this campus. So if you know an engaged couple or you are one or maybe you're d- dating seriously, uh, let them know about Merge starting October 1st. I'd love for you to pray for us. Uh, thank you again for being here. And uh, like I said earlier, in the room, a lot of folks who are single, a lot of folks who marriage is, is great, you know, a lot of folks who marriage is not. And, uh, and some folks who've gone through divorce. And uh, I can think of nobody better to offer prayers over all of us as one body um, here at Bayou City than you. So if you would close our time together, would you pray over each of us this morning? people, we are your children, gathered in your name, gathered in your, the shadow of the grace of your love and your goodness and your faithfulness over us. We are aware because you've taught us in your word that you are, you've always been and you will always be. And in your glorious foreknowledge, you knew us before we were knit in our mother's womb. 
you know the beginning, you know the end, you have the perfect plan and purpose, and at the heart of that is to bring great glory to you, to mirror you, to make others know of you, and to draw pleasure from you all the days of our life here and forever, and we thank you. We thank you that that's the reason for life. That's the reason you gave it to us. The purpose of living is knowing you, adoring you, treasuring you, and reflecting you. So we thank you. Lord, you know the names of each one of us. You know the encounters. You know all of our stories. That is so good. It's so good. You know us, and yet you love us. How amazing is that? Your relentless love, we thank you. And so, Lord, I just pray, I pray over the single men and women in this room today, every spiritual blessing. I pray for a grace that helps them understand that these days of singleness, however long that might be in the seasons of their life, they're appointed by you, they're established by you, they're favored by you. You, you love them and you have, the, you, have the, you have an unusual, I think, experience and engagement and involvement and purpose for them as single men and women. It's not accident. It's like, like, oops, this is a this is a season that we need to that's wasted. Not at all. May they know the value of these days. May they know that today, this very day, is a gift and live it out in total radical obedience to you, in love with you, filled with your spirit. And so every act, every word, every deed, and for that matter, the maybe the the special gift of time, time for them, will be invested for your great glory and the good of others. But seal in their hearts the confidence and peace today that you're fully in control. They rest in that. And that you know the name of that man or woman that you purpose for them, if that is your will. And that they can be sure of that and not rub against that. And that in the meantime, In the meantime, they spend their time growing in you and the knowledge and the favor of you so that at that point they will be ready. They will be ready. Lord, for every marriage in this room, I thank you. For those that, for this this season, for this morning, everything seems to be going good. But Lord, we know it's a rough, we know it's a rough way. We know that the enemy is out to destroy the home. And in the name of Jesus, we say you have no, you have no place here, Satan. So be gone. Stand guard over every marriage. May we as husbands be faithful most of all to you. Love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that the men in this room understand that that is our highest calling our highest calling and we cannot begin to love our wives like you intend for us if our first devotion is not to you and in that reciprocal kind of relationship with you then that's the fountainhead for the pure love that we pour out to our precious blessed wives so instill that with us as husbands in this room instill in the wife that role that unique beautiful role of God kind of helper, the strength, helper, the strength of God, you almighty, as our wives come alongside us and together, together we make much of you. We are imitators of you and we live the life out that you intended in marriage. Lord, for those today whose marriages are troubled, we ask, we ask entirely in this room as one heart and voice, we say, please reconcile, please rescue Please drive out all evil. Please 
please break our hearts that if it's if it's selfishness, if it's pride, if it's an unforgiving spirit, things have gone bad in this. They've kind of accrued, and so now, like, enough is enough. I've had enough. Lord Jesus, thank you that you never said enough is enough with us. Thank you. Thank you. That instead, you died for us. So, Lord, I pray for the capacity in my own heart and my own life to daily, daily, daily die for the good of Nona dead to myself, alive in you in her behalf. And I pray that for every marriage, every man, every woman. Lord, for those that are in the room and divorce is taking place, I know we know the hurt and the pain of that, but we also know that we ultimately are victorious in you. So I pray victory over those people today. I pray for a sense of hope. I pray that they'll keep their eyes fixed on you, Jesus, the author of their faith, the finisher of their faith. They never look at themselves as discarded goods, but instead loved and cherished by you and lord thank you that beyond what i know that i know what to ask in their behalf thank you jesus that you've made it clear you go before the father you you say words that we cannot even utter in our behalf and god you always hear and you always answer so we thank you and bless you in the name of jesus and everybody said amen please say thank you to pastor tom